one. It. We are recording, and uh, I'm absolutely going to butcher the pronunciation. Uh, Ray Cardenas. C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. D is pronounced as T-H. That's, I can't do it. I don't know how I do. You did Uh, it. I did it. Cardenas. Well, that's it. The podcast is over. Uh, (laughs) We just wanted to pronounce your name. And um, as I told Ray beforehand, I don't know. I mean, I understand I'm like a very white guy, but if anyone's wondering why I look like deathly blue recently, I'm not. I mean, granted, there are blue lights all over this room. The best I can conclude, as Ray pointed out, is that it's snowing and I'm lacking whatever whatever illusion of color that I was normally getting from the fraction of sunlight is now gone. And so if I start to just glow blue, that's why. That has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. But Ray, my friend, please introduce yourself, buddy. Hey, y'all. Uh, my name's Ray, and I uh, only recently met Tommy through a mutual friend, John Barnwell, who was a previous guest mm-hmm. on his show. So I assume we'll probably talk a little bit about what John's into and what how you know. I'm curious to know how you found his work and um. Yeah. Yeah, I I own a yoga studio in Austin, Texas. I've been in business for 10 years. Prior to that, I was a professional poker player. I did that for about seven years. And uh, I, somewhere along the way, found the teachings of Rudolf Steiner. So I'm really into to that guy. And so we could talk about that a little bit if you want. I was going to say, how in the world do you jump from poker to yoga? But the fact that we both know John Barnwell, in a weird way, kind of just answers all the questions. <laughs> like, like, oh, you know, John. Yeah, of course you would go from whatever to whatever. It's not, nothing's real. It's all an illusion. We're just working through karma in this lifetime. You're like, oh, I, I, I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I met. How did I meet John? I think one of my friends recommended I get him on. And mm. I think he came on. I don't know, early last year, maybe even 2021. I don't remember. It's kind of, there's just like a moment where all of a sudden he's in my life and I'm trying to even remember what the genesis of it was. It's just all of a sudden he's, he's there. Like, I don't remember becoming conscious at four years old. It's just one day. That's your earliest memory. There's just like all of a sudden John's just present in my life. And I'm like, Oh, hello. Um, But yeah, he's been on here several times. He's, he, he's a trip man he's a he's a wise sage he's been on here a couple times and uh i think the first time he came on he was just wearing a cia hat and just immediately threw me for i was like i thought we were talking about like philosophy and shit um, <laughs> but no he's a, he's he's a, he's a trip and um but he's really there's something about him that's uh kind of like what ramdas said you you know any about ramdas richard alpert yeah. He would he would talk about going on his journey to like the Himalayas in like the late sixties, early seventies. And uh he would always talk about in his lectures how how he had gone from your nine to five white collar Harvard professor to just, you know, this long haired, bead wearing, acid dropping hippie. And he said everywhere he went, he would look into people's eyes and just try to see if they knew just knew he never defined it but do they know whatever this whole experience is and he said you could see other people looking into your eyes and does he know 
And you'd both kind of be looking at each other's eyes. I don't know. Do you know? And he said he was in like a cafe in Baghdad or something. In a way, only Ramdas could. He's like, we were driving through Iran in a rainbow colored hippie van in 1970. He's like, how we didn't get decapitated is beyond me. And uh, <laughs> but he said he looked, he saw one guy and he's like, this guy just knew. And that that guy led him to his guru and, you know, that went on towards the whole enlightenment thing. I cool. say all that to say, and he would deny it. But I feel like John's the closest I've got to anyone in my life who I've met direct, not listened to a lecture, but actually talked to that knows. That's the best I can describe John Barnwell. He knows. Yeah, he definitely knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. It's like, it's such like a bullshit answer. Like, he knows what? Well, he knows what's up. It's like, what are you two talking? It sounds like you and I are on the stand on trial and we're just like biding for time. And someone's like, enough of this shit. Like, you guys are wanted for murder. <laughs> like, you know, he, kn but no, John, he knows. I, I called him like two weeks ago. I hadn't talked to him in like six months. I just called him at like 8 p.m. one night. I was just really kind of feeling out of it. And like, like there was no, no lapse in time at all. He just picked up and said, hey, Tommy, how you doing? And we just talked for 30 minutes while I'm driving around on Grand Theft Auto, just running over people in a car. But I'm just talking to him and he's talking about how your ego is on loan from like, the highest order of angels and how this life, you know, you need to look deeper inside and you'll realize you're not here by accident. And all these trials and tribulations you're going through are they're not they're not freak occurrences that you are here learning the exact thing you need to be learning. So. With that whole uh, tangent, is there maybe any thread along that lines that could explain your jump from poker to yoga? Well, yeah. So, so for me, with the transition from from poker to yoga, what what that was all about mainly was I I was playing online, you know, primarily, and um. This was again like around, I think I had like my my breakout year in 2007 I believe I ended up like making like a quarter million dollars off of like three different poker poker tournaments and I was I was like in school to become an elementary school teacher mainly because I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do in my family's teachers you know yeah. and I had like just made like you know five years salary <laughs> yeah. months and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna give this a go <laughs> yeah so so yeah i'm in my my mid-20s when all this is happening and and um basically poker just takes over my life and i don't you know i i'm i get married i i you know living with my wife but basically i like playing poker all the time because especially like my win rate was pretty high and so my old thing was like why would i do anything, anything else, else but but play poker and so i was sitting in front of a screen doing psychological warfare with you know avatars all yeah. day yeah. and that just like takes a toll after after yeah. a while and 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 also like um there were some changes in the poker landscape that that brought my profitability down um there's like technological advancements that enabled people to see 
um, who were the winners were and who the losers were. And, uh, and since Don't you play could with them, find that information in real time, yeah, you could snipe the losers and, you know, rid the ecosystem of the e easy money, like really quickly. Just, and yeah. so my win rate went down, my stress level went way up and I was reading some poker blogs from some really successful players and they were talking about doing yoga. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. I'm a little worried, you know, is it, is it feminine? Isn't that for girls? You know, that's kind of what I was, uh -huh. I was thinking and that masculine, and like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'll try it out. Yeah. So, and it was like kind of the polar opposite of what I was doing with poker because in the online poker world, you don't just play one table of poker. I mean, you can, but, but, you know, the norm is to play like six or like at the same time or like 50, you know, there are certain things that like mass tabling. So, but, but all at the same time, all at the same time, I would do this thing where I would cascade the screens and, and like sure. a, a table would come up, a poker hand would come up and I would make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. And so my attention time. Was, yeah. was just, just firing all over the place. And, and basically what, you know, yoga gave me was the ability to kind of turn all that off and mm -hmm. focus like um, loving attention on my body which was like so that is total polar opposites <laughs> right yeah. psychological warfare <laughs> seconds at a time to gain money versus avatars yeah. versus loving acceptance awareness in the here and now on your bot i don't think you get to find more opposites right exactly exactly <laughs> so so that was that was uh and and i quickly realized like i want to shift you know like i want to get out of this this poker thing I, I i was like one one night i was playing like two in the morning on my laptop my wife's sleeping next to me i have a newborn baby i'm like am i gonna be grinding like this when i'm 50 years old like what what's going like i don't know so so yeah i lost i kind of lost the love for the game found a love of poker excuse me of yoga yeah. and um you know decided that i was going to become a teacher at this vibrant studio here in town where there was they they had like four classes a night and every class would have 60 people in it and it was like a donation-based community. So it was kind of like a, there was kind of like a church vibe to it. Anyone could come pay what you want. And, um, you know, it was, it was nice. So, so I, I did the training, did a teacher training, started teaching there and the business model at the time, which was pretty favorable for teachers, which I can't get into all the, all the details of, but, uh, uh, it changed and the teacher pay got cut by like 75%, <laughs> something like that. And so it went from like making, you could make anywhere from like 150 to 225 bucks a class. So you're teaching yoga for an hour, making that money and, and to 40 bucks a class. Um, and so it was kind of like, uh, this sucks. Uh, and at the time that we were on like the cutting edge of social media marketing. So the teachers were marketing their classes directly to their students, bunch of teachers left the studio. And then when, when I left, I was like, 
okay, what am I going to do? My last job was delivering pizzas like, you know, six, seven years ago, I dropped out of college. I don't want to play poker anymore. I'm not profit. I'm not as profitable as I once was. And I, I might not even be profitable anymore. And so like, what am I going to do? I guess I'm going to open a yoga studio and, and like it. recruit some of these teachers that got displaced and, you know, just kind of do everything that we were doing with some, with some little tweaks and see what happens. And, and so I, um, got a like a got with a really smart business partner engineer numbers guy who was also like a fellow we, we were following a couple teachers that I can tell you more about sure shortly but but um and, uh, we were like hey let's let's do this thing he crunched all the numbers we presented the business plan to my dad and my dad kind of thought that we were just doing a practice run with him like, I don't know where he got that impression, but, but after the, the presentation, we were like, Hey man, do you want to invest in this? You got, you know, 70 K to throw at this. And, um, so he had, he had some inheritance coming his way from his father passing away. He's a, he's a retired teacher. So I didn't like come from a bunch of money or sure. anything like that, but, uh, just the timing of it all worked out. And, um, yeah, he, he decided to invest in the business and we got him paid back in like two years. It's uh -huh. been just like pretty, pretty dang successful. Um, and then in terms of like my, my personal yoga journey, I, I learned yoga in like in one way when I was first started teaching and then I met these other teachers and they basically said like, uh, that's that's the normie way that's that, that this is like let, let, let me give you the esoteric shit and it was it was Coming like to the uh, inner temple yeah it was like it was like but so so it was like left-handed path i don't know if you're familiar with that terminology but it's sort of like the path of experience and as opposed to like learning the moderated balanced path but so there's there's a and sometimes called the path of fire and ice where it's like, you know, you go, go to the extremes and experience life to the fullest. And it's taking and, a class on podcasting versus just getting a camera and start emailing people and just yelling at a camera. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. That's yeah. what I did. That's what I've done. Yeah. And, and, and so my, my interpretation of that other thing was, was um, be like your instincts are trying to teach you something. So like, you know, rather than suppressing them, you know, go into your instincts and follow your, your instincts. And there's some truth to that. And there's, that has, that serves a particular purpose and it's very empowering, right? It's like, I'm doing things on my own, own terms, this, sure. that, and the other, but you can also get trapped in there mm -hmm. uh, with like the, the, the dopamine base, the pleasure seeking. Oh, I yeah, should always pleasure be seeking. I should always okay. be having sex, drinking beer, and eating McDonald's. And that's no, 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 no. You're 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 relying too much on the yeah. Trust your gut, trust your heart. But when it's like, let's stay in bed, take Xanax, and eat ice cream, and it's like that's not that's not exactly that's not the path. Exactly. You'll learn something from that, but it's not good. Exactly. So so that kind of like I allowed myself. Well, and another another thing that they sort of espoused was this. Uh, non-dual universe which 
you know, I get it like from the perspective of like God is non-dual. Okay, that's fine. But like, I'm not God. I'm a human being and I live in the realm of, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, like the realm that I'm in is non-dual. There's, there's day and night. There's, you know, like, I, like I clearly, <laughs> I right now I have Ray on my podcast. We are not an end. Like, no, I get that idea too. Or it's like, there is no duality. I'm like, there are a hundred percent. I get esoterically the concept, the abstraction. I've gone into meditation where you drop into that. You're no longer experiencing experience. There just is experience. Like I, I get that and I have experienced it, but like very much so like my fingers end and this microphone begins. Like there, right, right. there's, there's a, a division scales. Yeah. It's yeah. like scales of consciousness. And so sure. on a certain scale, you can't really like disregard like the moral order of the cosmos to jump right to that. But, yeah. but um, so I was sort of like playing in that, that realm of, of moral relativism and just kind of doing, doing what I wanted. And that just, you know, wow, it, it freaking was exciting for a while. And then it just burned me out, like crashed and burned yeah. harder than even with the with the poker stuff. And I was just my my energy was depleted, my my sense of morality just, you know, wow. like I didn't have one, you know. And and then so funnily enough, I was um listening to or my cousin sent me the um first time that jordan peterson went on joe rogan okay and he was talking about like science and religion okay and um and i know jordan peterson is kind of like now he's, he's it's not the it's not as cool to be like about jordan this was a while back yeah, this uh, was OG Jordan when, Peterson when he was first coming on the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but the way that he was like describing Christianity, I was like, "Sure, my gosh, I've been strawmanning this thing. I've been rebelling against this thing, hmm. uh, and you know, all the while like accepting the reality of like, you know, the blue men like Shiva and Krishna and all the Eastern religions. I'm like, I'm open to to this stuff, and I'm I'm you know allowing my my consciousness to be worked upon by by these traditions and so why not this one and yeah. so I, there was like a moment where i just opened up to mm. christianity which i was you know antithetic i was against Same. for yeah. for most of my life and and so i was like okay i'm going to you know see what's up with this rather than declaring it to be false because I didn't understand it. I'm going to look into it. And so I started going back to this church that my parents took me to when I was a kid. It's called the church of conscious harmony here in Austin. And the minister who started it, it was actually friends with Ram Das. Oh and yeah. He's like, and he like knew the Dalai Lama and it was just his 80th birthday yesterday, but, oh, shit. but Tim cook, he's an awesome dude. But, um, isn't that the CEO of Apple? <laughs> Same no, name, different one, different. Yeah, 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 you just said that nonchalantly. I'm like, wait, yeah, that's, yeah. Like, uh, oh, no, he's like, he's this neat guy. I know his name's Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, the fuck. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, my my interest or my outlook went from it's an amoral universe where I can do whatever I want, where I am God, mm. to like 
no, that is definitely not true based on what, what I'm feeling. I followed my instincts. They led me to this dark place. Yeah. And um, so now I'm, I'm in a place where I am open to understanding the golden thread of truth that weaves itself through all through spiritual traditions. Every aspect of reality. Yeah. And like, like, I'm not going to write, I can't write certain things off that, that impacted the culture that I am partaking in right yeah. now. Like, yeah, why that would, would that I? Would be, that would be, at best case, that would be stupid. Yeah. Cutting yourself off from the root. So it's not learning English and living in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to like the language. It would be prudent to probably understand it. Or and even understanding the idea that like why is English like the language why, yeah. of yeah. business? Like yeah. what is that about? Isn't that interesting? Like what, yeah. why is yeah. that like, a like global... China speaks it too? Like yeah, and, and so there's something interesting about language that that you could study. Like and and that's a thing that opened me up to like because I'm I'm half Spanish, half Mexican, you know, and um, I don't I'm not fluent in Spanish. My my dad's parents like didn't teach them Spanish because they were worried about prejudice or something, sure. like that, you know? And so they like Americanized assimilate, yeah. his accent. Yeah. They wanted to assimilate. And so um, I always sort of had this kind of subconscious aversion to learning, learning Spanish or learning other languages. So I was like, English is where it's at, you know, but now, and I learned this from Rudolf Steiner. He's like, he's talking about how different languages have like a different energetic signature and you mm -hmm. actually take on like a different personality when you sure. speak Spanish and there's there's something fun there yeah <laughs> so if I can tap into that kind of like you know um vibrant Latin energy and allow myself to yeah to it's yeah go Latin, into that speak Latin, that language yeah Italian and French have that it's exactly the, the romantic languages right then right you know you got that very abrupt business, like German, you know, exactly. Like, it's very like, oh, we're not fun. It's like a very Adderall energy, like, oh, we're working. Right. Versus like, yeah. it's a more of like a, a sunset dance or something. Right. Exactly. So just being able, I, I want to be able to tap into those vibes so I can explore those languages. Also, I like English too. I like the language of business. It's what's up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so. So just that got me interested in in studying all the traditions. There was a book in the church bookstore called Meditations on the Tarot, A Journey into Christian Hermeticism. And so it's like, you know, how how Christianity related relates to the hermetic tradition in Egypt and and the symbolism of the tarot cards. It's this awesome book that was written by a student of Rudolf Steiner's who sort of rebelled against anthroposophy which is rudolf steiner's movement mm -hmm. and so john and douglas don't like like him too much <laughs> but but uh but that's for really me true. he's the way that i found rudolf steiner so i can't really so be can't mad. chastise the path that got you to the summit exactly i don't i don't care that he went back to the catholic church and that yeah. he you know is like seeking to i don't know re redeem the catholic church and evolve it to some new thing but but uh, so, but John's book, have you read John's book, by the way? I've read parts of it. That is a dense it's, book. It's like, that is it's a dense book. Dense. Yeah, it's dense. I'm, I'm pretty much through it. I'm to like, I'm almost done. But he, 
he wrote that book in response to meditations on the tarot. So oh, okay. like, this is the anthropos like this is the anthroposophical perspective on on the uh, tarot cards, the 22 major arcana, which is like a an esoteric school in and of itself. Those those uh 22 symbols, if you like you meditate on those, you you get somewhere, you know, with a little guidance. So so that's how I well, so and so how I found John was I was I found Rudolf Steiner through that book. I was listening to the Rudolf Steiner press audio YouTube channel every day. I would um, I would put on a lecture. I would go to the gym in my apartment building and I would close my eyes on the elliptical and I would go like as fast mm -hmm. as I could listening to the lecture and I would try to open my eyes exactly at 30 minutes. It was just this weird test that I had for myself. I do it every day with meditation. I try to I try to open my eyes exactly at the 20 minute mark. That's a good yeah, that's a good practice. One time I got it like within 10 seconds. I can I can pretty much without failure get within two minutes. And I would say more than once a month. Yeah, like sub 10 seconds. You wake up, you're like, I'm a fucking wizard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've got this shit. Nothing else in my life makes sense, but I can I can open my eyes at 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So um, I was doing that practice and then, and one of the lectures that got uploaded to Rudolf Steiner press audio YouTube was, um, a lecture by Douglas Gabriel, who's John's friend. Mm -hmm. And it's called the spiritual battle of humans and machines. And he mm -hmm. lays out like what the internet's doing, what the, who, who the beings are behind these, uh, manifestations of technology that, that we're engaging with. Okay. And it blew Dude. my mind. Dude, you should read. Uh, I've had him on here before. Uh, Leo Zagami. He's okay. Yeah, books, yeah. and it's like a uh, Confessions of an Illuminati member or something. Yeah. Um, I've, I've I think I've read all. I think I've had him on here for all of them. But his best one is his last one, the seventh one. It is such a acid trip into like what is technology and the internet and UFOs and AI and demons and like Christ and like yeah. I think I think that's right up your alley. It's a. I love all that. It's an acid trip. Yeah. And, and so, so I, I've, I found Douglas through that. And then I found John through his conversations with Douglas on YouTube. And they actually have a video where they're talking about meditations on the throw. So then I started listening to them and I was like, man, they are distilling Rudolf Steiner's ideas down to these like digestible, you know, just they're directing my attention through this like massive library of, mm -hmm. of lectures that, that Rudolf Steiner did. And they're doing it in a very skillful way. In my opinion, these are some of the greatest teachers alive right now. Yeah. And they've got like such a small following relative it's, to what they know. It's so surreal talking to Barnwell. You're like, how, yeah, you feel like you're talking to like an Einstein, but like a hundred people know about him. Exactly. Like, how the fuck do I know you? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really grateful to be able to just get a get a hold of him and talk to him. He's a bit even more accessible than Douglas, I would say, but and I really appreciate that about him. He's so freaking humble. Yeah. For for the amount of things that that he knows. And you know, I I I want to like aspire to that. He's a he's a great example for me because I I definitely know like what ego inflation can do and mm -hmm. and um you know, I've, I've even like 
stifled myself in certain regards because I'm like, I'm not ready for like to have this level of power in this particular yeah. way. I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. And, yeah. and, uh, cause I, I don't want my, my ego getting inflated like that. I think I'm at a place now where I'm like, you know, ready to take on bigger things where like a younger me would let it go to my head and start yeah. making like, questionable moral decisions, stuff like that. Yeah. You need to get like kicked in your, your egotistical nuts like enough times before you're like you're ready to take on things. you're like oh i see this and you approach it much more much more humbly and cautiously as opposed to like a caveman discovering fire you're like oh this is great let's just light the forest on fire we'll all be warm and it's like yeah. bad idea bad idea no you like you keep a fire in a tiny stone enclosure where it can't escape and it's moderate it use it well use it wisely use it when you need it put it out when you don't versus like oh cool napalm it's like no 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 <laughs> bad, bad idea exactly well and that's that that's the role that christianity plays for me sure. is that that frame you know like for how to constructively you know place the, the fires mm. so yeah um hey i do this every episode because uh, i'm not professional at all I gotta go use the restroom, and uh, so it's your show for thirty seconds. Tell everybody, like, <laughs> tell everybody where to find you on social media, website, all that shit. Perfect, perfect. So you can find me at Raise Awareness on Instagram. Um, also, practiceyogaustin.com and. I will just say that um, something that's crucial to understand are the mysteries of time. And what the mysteries of time are is uh, the evolution of human consciousness right, throughout different ages. And um, you know who does a good job of articulating that is Rudolf Steiner. And he talks about, you know, during like we're in the age of Pisces. Uh, because on the vernal equinox, the the zodiacal sign that is closest to the horizon that the sun rises in is Pisces. I went a little, I went a little philosophical with it. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, man. I give, I okay, give carte cool. blanche to people. I have no idea <laughs> if one day, like, my podcast gets canceled because somebody like called in a bomb threat on my show. I would, <laughs> I don't, I just, for better or worse, I just give people the reins for thirty seconds or a minute or whatever. So, yeah. Do whatever so you, you were in med school and uh just like i got into like, medical I, school huh i got into medical school i i i, I was gonna say so our, so our paths are actually like very very similar i guess in in a way in terms of just that general idea like that energy of of poker playing psyops on avatars like working 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 mm -hmm. all i did was study for like four years in college i was an idiot in high school i almost failed out my freshman year mm -hmm. or i almost got expelled for other reasons and i was like i need to get my life back together and mm -hmm. or not back together i need to get my life together for the first time mm -hmm. and uh all i did day and night stop drinking and stop smoking pot like on a dime and just mm -hmm. start studying around the clock like for the first time in my life instead of getting c's i was getting like the highest grades in my classes and kind of like you it was like that initial success where I was like, I'm getting A's on everything now. Like I don't drink anymore. I'm saving money. I was like, why would I do anything else? 
And so, whereas everyone else is like, you're missing the best years of your life. I was like, no, I'm, I'm again, like you, you're like, wait, screw this. I'm just going to drop out and play poker. I was like, all I'm going to do is study. And what's the end result is I become a doctor. You get, you know, that, that very ego, I'll be doctor care again. I'll have job. I'll have, you know, I'll have job security forever. And so that's all I did. And, um, because it was like so intense, just studying around the clock, like the, the school I got into 15,000 people applied and a hundred got into like, that's what it took to get in. And to get to that moment, I started meditating like every 90 minutes that I would study, I would meditate for 30. Mm. And then I would do that two hour block, 90 study, 30 meditate. I would do it just six times in a row every day, nice. 12 hours, seven days a week. 365 days a year for years on end. Wow. And But I was doing it as like a weapon to get better at studying. Right. Not as like a, a oh, personal I mean, thing. It was, it was, no, it was literally just like, oh, I can, at 90 minutes, I start to get cloudy. So I'll study so I can be more clear so I can eviscerate my competition. <laughs> there was like no higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, ironically enough, you can't meditate several times a day without it starting to seep into you. Yeah. And over the years, the very tool I was using to become more efficient and vicious at like vanquishing my competition. I also then started having just these weird experiences of like, this is before I had ever discovered Alan Watts or Terrence McKenna. I mean, had no philosophical, but I went to Catholic school for 12 years, but I had like at that point had like been rejecting it. Mm-hmm. I was very much in like the materialism, like, oh, consciousness is just a bunch of proteins and fats and electrical charges bouncing again. Like, right. I know everything. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but then I would be meditating and I'd be like, this doesn't, this doesn't like agree with anything that I'm learning in my books. Like I'm dropping into these psychedelic experiences where time itself dissolves away and like, you're seeing forward and backwards and like, you're just like leaving this dimension, but you're sober as a bird. And you're like, what in God's name was that? And then you go and out of curiosity, I went and like read the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't even know what the Bhagavad Gita was. I thought it was like a novel. And I was like, right. Oh, who's this author? And I, I was like, Oh, this was written 3000 years ago. And I was like, Oh, there are the games bigger than I thought. And, yeah. um, so I did that, and uh, finally, right when I got into medical school, I realized I didn't want to go because I'd been meditating and kind of learning that I wasn't happy. I don't know why the color of the screen's changing. It's like in and out. Sorry. Um, I can't tell. Okay. Mm. Um, and so like I got in and then realized I didn't want to go. And so it was like I had got to this moment, and then I was like, no, I don't even want to do it. Like, I'm not happy. And... uh had this very liberating moment a couple months after I graduated uh, college, my older brother committed suicide. Mm. So it was just this, like this combination of I'm not happy. I don't want to do this. The existential crisis of losing a close one in a tragic manner. Mm -hmm. And then a complete rejection of everything that was pre-med schedule, discipline, working through discomfort, and instead, I was like, it's time to, like you said, like, oh, just listen to your gut. 
well, for like a couple months that was great it was like oh find what you love find what you know i dabbled in psychedelics and do this and then after a couple of years of just gaining weight and it slowly shifts from pot to benzos from you know mushrooms to alcohol and then just spiraling downward to a level of darkness i can't describe mm. and uh moved home with my parents when i was 26 in 2016 because i was suicidal and i lived there for five years and then 2019 started this podcast and then have kind of come out of that whole thing and it's back to this duality of like no meditation and discipline can go hand in hand like don't work all the time but it's also like oh if i just followed my gut i wouldn't have gotten out of bed today i would have canceled this podcast and gone and done nothing like no there no this one's good it's good to you know do the thing you don't want to do right but um but like you it had taken me a while of completely rejecting christianity but ironically being completely open to like hinduism and buddhism finally i was like why am i throwing out the baby with the bathwater? like mm-hmm. why why wouldn't i at least just give it a try and yeah. to me it's just like it's one none of them are dominant in my mind and none of them are inferior. They're all, they're all like slices of the pie. None of them are greater or above or below. In, in my opinion, I've, I obviously don't have the answer, but um, I think that's kind of what led me to Barnwell. Someone must have heard me talking about this and said, "Like hey, you'd be, you'd be interested in this guy." Yeah. And it is like, yeah, you. It's this weird weaving of, like you said, the golden thread of you said through all spiritual traditions. I've in my mind, it's like devolved even more. I'm like, oh, there's a golden thread in everything. Go to the grocery store and like there's a golden thread. <laughs> and like you just start to see like, oh, like the way like this person's holding the door or this guy begging for a dollar or that guy buying a $500 bottle of champagne. You, you just start to see truth and all these weird iterations. And there's um, a spirit underlying it. Underlying everything. Yeah. And uh Above all else, it has brought humility of like, don't let it go to your head. Like if you, I think it was Jordan Peterson actually that said like, you might be riding a wave, but you are not the wave. Right, right. And that's how I look at it now is like when something feels to be lifting me up, I'm like, this is a beautiful experience and, you know, express gratitude to God for this experience. But it ain't, it ain't Tommy. You're mm-hmm. riding the wave. You know, you sit in a, you sit in a Boeing 737. You're not like, I am flying through this. No, 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 no. You're on a plane and you are indeed flying. You're not piloting this thing. You didn't build the plane. You didn't like, don't let that go to your head. Doesn't mean don't enjoy the plane. Enjoy the view that, oh my God, I'm above the clouds and I'm in a, I'm flying, but you don't get off there going, I invented flight. Like that, that ain't, that's so in a, in an odd way, we kind of do have a similar experience that have yeah, led absolutely. us both to John Barnwell. That's the that's the bottom. It's at the very bottom of it all. You end up with Barnwell. That's the core. <laughs> that's, the core. that's that's the ocean of which all the streams trickle down into. You end up with Barnwell. He's definitely a good a good teacher of all. I've had like I've had many teachers, and 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 I I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate what what Barnwell brings and and just his his overall demeanor his approachability and his vast knowledge is like yeah it's important and um i feel like one of the things that's super useful that a lot of people um don't 
have a grasp on it, but it, it's it's how do you relate to your mind because a lot of people when they get into yoga or like let's say they have a spiritual awakening they realize there's something more than just the mechanistic materialistic impulse that we're being hammered with uh, our whole lives they 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 get the spiritual impulse which is great but they don't know what to do with it and they say it's too vast to even fathom so i'm not going to try and i'm going to just throw it out the window yeah and, and, and that's where rudolph steiner was different he was like no you need to really grasp this in the realm of thought and not just steiner but that's like the a fundamental tenet of the rosicrucian tradition which is the kind of esoteric christian stream that was at odds with the church sorry i don't know if you can hear my dogs barking no No. okay cool cool um but anyway so um the first step in that tradition is to study is to grasp things in the realm of thought so that you have a frame with which to approach spiritual profundity Hmm. and so one of the he has these things called the. are you familiar with the six essential exercises no. the six basic exercises no. he has six basic exercises hang on one second i'm going to tell my dog to be no, you're good you're good you're good okay so rudolph steiner's six basic exercises they're essentially like a safeguard for uh luciferic inflation on the spiritual path that's where your ego you you uh, elevate yourself to the highest thing that would be called a luciferic inflation okay and, and it's like oh it's all one man i can do whatever i'm god you know and and so so no <laughs> yeah so so he has these six kind of basic exercises that you do for a month at a time i don't i, I won't get into all of them but the first one is like you you hold a mundane object in your field of awareness for like as long as you can and you know two to five minutes where you're just visualizing a pencil and the idea is that you can ground your attention on one thing you give yourself that you train yourself to be able to do that then the other thing that's big with steiner is you have to use your your rational until you have to be able to ground your thinking in rationality so you don't want to lose that because then you kind of lose the sense of of sovereignty and efficacy that comes with rational thinking and and so in order to maintain kind of your full consciousness what you then do is you engage in a series of like an inner dialogue about the object like what is this pencil made of how did it get formed what were the conditions um that gave rise to it being invented and like you know so like the pencil was invented for artistic purposes because artists needed to have a means of sketching something out to erase things and i i didn't realize that i thought i don't know i thought it'd be more for writing or something like that but it was for for drawing and but the idea is that you you learn as much as you possibly can. Like if you come to a question in your meditation that you don't have the answer to, then afterwards you go look it up and you, 
you, you know, you get it down. And then you repeat this process of even going through the same line of logical thinking about the object, learning more and more about it over the period of about a month. And that, and then he says, after at the end of this process, like of each session, you become receptive to how the energy is moving in your body. And he says, what you should notice is like a movement from your prefrontal cortex down into your spine from all that, that thought work that you did. Mm -hmm. you know and and that first exercise it tells you the way what you walk away what i walked away from it with was the understanding that i can know things i can know things on a deep level and what the modern scientific paradigm is doing is one of the things is it's inhibiting us like it's saying this is the only means by which you can know something is true or not you have to be able to quantify it in some way you've got mm -hmm. to be able to number weigh, or measure it and it's like dude that 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 ain't it man. like that's for dead things that's for yeah. the mineral realm yeah you know that's for dissection like, yeah yeah <laughs> so um so anyway so so you kind of get the it's called control of thinking is the first exercise and then the second exercise is called control of the will and that's where you pick some inane act that you do every day at the exact same time and in his day, he said, you try not to look at a clock or you don't set an alarm. You just try to do the same thing at the exact same time every day. And that gives you control over your will. Okay. It gives you willpower. And then the, th the third exercise has to do with uh, the emotions. And it's and, and one way that you can do the third exercise is after you meditate, you know, you do your, your you're sitting in silence and you're clear you allow the feeling quality to, to come in and you notice like how good it feels to be able to just be silent and present and, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So it's, it's all meant to bring you into relationship with these three soul faculties of thinking, feeling, and willing. Mm -hmm. And, and then there's, there's, there's three other steps, but y'all can go look them up. It's the, it's the six basic exercises of Rudolf Steiner, but it's really great for if you are going down the spiritual path and you want to guard against that luciferic inflation that I was talking about, um, this is a good way to do it. I like that idea of, of yeah, because when you start to go into it, it is, it's so vast and there are so many levels and iterations of it. It is easy to just go, I'm not doing this. It is way too much, right? It's like opening a book of a language you've never even seen. But it's like opening a book written in cuneiform you're like fuck this i'm not i'm not versus versus it's almost like understanding the rules of driving it's like okay i understand what a car is here's the steering wheel you got to put the key in the ignition you have windshield wipers you have headlights it runs on gas and then it's like understand the speed limit understand the rules of driving like etiquette you know left hand turns right hand turns merging on highways different speeds of driving and then once you do that, you can drive to a city you've never been to before and still navigate it, right? You may not know where all the cool dive bars are. You might not know a single soul there. You might not know, like, who's popular and who's not. What are the cool places and what's not? But for the most part, you can navigate it. And if you choose to dive deeper, you can learn more. You can move there. You could whatever, build a life there. But it is like a good 
foundation or like guardrails against just getting in. You might look at the car and say, this is overwhelming. No. Well, if you don't know how to use a car, you are like greatly capping the amount of of world you can experience. But you also can't just get into it and like, oh, this is amazing and floor it, right? Exactly. Then, then you end up plowing an SUV into an orphanage or some shit. You can't be like Latarian <laughs> Milton, you know, the Who's doing hood rat stuff with the friends. Oh, yeah, hood, I'm doing hood rat things with my hood rat <laughs> friends. Yeah, you know, you can't, yeah, yeah. Hide your kids, hide, or they all got hide your kids, hide your wife, they're raping everybody out here. You can't, no, no, that's right. You can't just, you can't immediately plow an 18 wheeler into a Walmart. Like you are now, you are, have, now you have vastly diminished your human experience because you're going to jail. Right. But if you can understand it, you can navigate it. And it's it's weird because I hadn't heard of any of those before. But every day I meditate for like 20 or 30 minutes, I wake up at the exact same time and go to the gym at the exact same time. Whether or not I slept well, whether or not I'm not feeling good. I mean, short of like a deathly fever, I'll go to the because it's just in my mind, it's this is what I do at 12 40 p.m i walk downstairs to the gym in my apartment building i don't doesn't matter if it's snowing well actually none of it matters because i live inside but like this is just a thing i do i do the podcast at 2 p.m i do like another one at like 4 p.m i call my mom at the same time i play video games with my friends like i, I diet i and that's i guess the will mm -hmm. i think maybe i haven't done the focusing on an object like grounding myself in that that seems to be something i'm not doing well you know what you are doing if you're if if you're sitting in in silence you're kind of making your field of awareness the object okay right so that's 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 something you know and 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 silence is the best teacher they say so you know the fact that i think that was ramdas who would he'd say he'd be like get quiet and you can hear the universe telling you, or God, or whatever you want. You can hear the higher order telling you, like what your direction is. Exactly. It's just, it is, yeah, it is kind of the best as you get more and more quiet, and the thoughts come slower and slower, and then you start to get the gaps in between thoughts, and it's just the infinite present moment, and just right here right now and then you start to get those thoughts of like what am what it, what is this not is it a simulation is it not oh no, no just no what, what is this like isness yeah consciousness this, yeah beingness so yeah, yeah. you just start what, boiling what? it down and it's that elemental thing that you can't break apart further. You're like, uh, and then there's, of course, then there's thoughts, internal monologue, then there's feeling, and then there's sensing. But if you go deep enough, you'll even like not feel the pillow you're sitting on. You just go, kind of go in and in. But then it's just the ineffable mystery of, for me, it's not even this like Zen, like, what is this? The thought always pops in my head. What the fuck? <laughs> like that, that <laughs> it's so like base yeah. and like vulgar, but it's always is. just, it's always just, what? The what? It's just, there's always this moment of just, what the? F and it's so weird because oftentimes, once I hit that moment, almost without failure, that's when the alarm will go off that I've been meditating for. Because I, I, 
right? When I have, because I have like, I, I have to do an alarm because I, I, I immediately jump into a podcast after I meditate, but it's almost, I don't hit it every day. But when I do hit that moment of, wait, what am I? What, what, what is, and then all of a sudden it's just ding, the alarm goes off almost to a T at that 20 minute mark. But once you, once you get into that resonance uh, field, there's certain, everything happens right right when it's supposed to or for a reason i feel like because there's been times where i'll be meditating and like a car will drive by out front and it and i'll feel the ripple of the car yeah like move through my my body yeah. it's like fucking wild but it, and it feels like i'm yeah, i don't know it it's like I, I can see how it's all fitting together and and just the subtle effect that that um everything has on everything else but one of the things about why rudolph steiner says to visualize that mundane object is because he says once you tap into this realm just the, the spiritual realm there's so much um it's enamoring it can be enamoring and 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 it can make you reject the mundane aspects of of life like doing the dishes and going to the gym and, you know, like calling like the, just, just the regimen. And he says, if one, once you lose that, you've, you've lost the plot. Like you, you actually need to be functioning on the physical plane in your culture. And, and so this idea of, I can even visualize a pencil for five, there's no reason to, why would I, I'm, I can stay connected to this mundane object and, and it, builds that that muscle on and that and that also ties in with the second exercise to do the task that doesn't really serve doesn't seem to serve any purpose um like what what i did was at the same time each day i took a bottle of lotion that was on my bathroom counter and i rotated it 180 degrees and i just okay. did that every day for a month for no reason okay but what it did was it tells me like i can do the things that i don't understand the reason why i need to do them but okay. I can just make myself do them. And I know that from this practice, because I did it with this practice, you know? So yeah. it's this, these means for like grounding yourself in the mundane so that you can be, you can maintain your householder status on the spiritual path. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm getting it now. Yeah. I make my bed at the exact same time every day. There's no, there there's no grand scheme to it. Like I do a podcast every day, but there's like growth in that. There's one more podcast in the live. There's really no point to making the bed. I'm just going to undo it tonight, but I yeah. still do it every day. And it is, I think it was, cause that's one of the things that like, when you start listening to your gut, you very quickly kind of like become untethered from reality. You're like a hot air balloon floating away. You're like, fuck it. What's money? Nothing's real. And it's like, it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride. But when you hit the ground, you hit it hard. Right. And you're like money. It's not even real. And it's like, okay, but everyone's agreed that it's real. So now you're, now you're playing musical chairs and you don't have a chair like money's not real well the guy that has the food only takes money yeah so, it is you know, you got to put gas in your car you can't walk into there and be like money's not real my good friend <laughs> you're gonna call the cops best case worst case the the store clerk's gonna pull out a gun and say get the fuck out of here right but there it's is mutually that... agreed upon exchange of value like yes don't... and it's like does it have its flaws sure and it's like a fun thing to realize when you're on mushrooms to be like, it's such just paper and like, sure, giggle about it. 
it's very real paper because I get to be in this apartment and it's it's mine and it's legally agreed that this is mine. And if anyone comes into this apartment, guys with guns will come if I call 911 and they'll protect me because someone else came in here. That's very real. Like it's yeah. not that's not an LOL. That's real. Right. So being I think it was Ram Dass said that. He's like, you can be communing with, uh, you know, the goddesses of of light. That's no reason to not know your zip code. Right. And I always think about that of like, it's all beautiful and light. You also, you got to go get groceries today because like there's a snowstorm. You have to eat. There are. And you don't just reject it and go, oh, this physical world is a burden. It's keeping me from blossoming. It's not an accident that you're here. So. Yeah, like you said, be a, a housekeeper of this plane. You're here for a reason. Might as well figure it out and stay, stay grounded here. Um, actually, I'm kind of thinking I haven't done this kind of meditation in years, but it was one of the forms I did back in college. Was I would just focus on one thing, but not my mind's eye. I would just stare at it. Mm -hmm. I was meditating on my bed, and there was like a, like a water bottle. Mm -hmm. I would just stare at it. Yeah. Yeah. Four, five, six minutes and just really understand that it it's there and I'm here and it's there. And that sounds silly. But even that starts to open up a new reality, just staring. It's been some of the most amazing times, just like not even on acid, just meditating and like staring at my thumb mm -hmm. and like, holy shit. <laughs> holy shit like there's a thumb yeah yeah well because that can give you like that can concretize your your perceptions oh yeah that really is there and then so a lot of like what's what's unique to human beings and what's interesting to explore is like you can look at that water bottle and it's there in physical reality and you can take it all in through through your eyes and then you can close your eyes and you can recreate a concept of that water bottle and you hold the memory of that water bottle um, in your mind. And and the Rosicrucians had had a practice. Um, it's called Mikaelic Yoga or Mikaelic Yoga. It's like the yoga of the Archangel Michael. And and it's where you balance out and bring into harmony your perceptions and your conceptions. So when you have the right idea, the right picture of the thing associated with the perception, then you're doing Michaelic yoga. Hmm. And a lot of people, they'll look at something and they'll perceive it in a certain way and they won't, you don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like the, there's like depths to which you can explore that water bottle, like on down to its shape and why it's made out of what it's made of. And, and so you could ponder that and, and get like, you know, just a, come into a deeper relationship with, with the objects around you. Okay. So it's, it's getting a, like a more, it's like almost kind of ultimate reality. You're getting a, a real, it's like the archetype a, of the water bottle yeah and it being accurate not it being like an idea that's you know they say like don't meet your heroes because like you'll meet them and you'll realize they're just humans too and it's like 
Well, no, your idea of them was fake. That was never who they were. They didn't spoil anything. You ruined it by having this idea that they're superhuman, right? That's on you for meeting fucking Tom Brady or Eminem and then being like, they were kind of mean. Like, no, in your mind, you created them as like perfect. No one ever said they weren't assholes, right? And I don't know. I've never met them, but like. Yeah, instead of like appreciating that they have access to those archetypal potentials from time to time, and that's admirable. Uh, I think I think it's cooler that they have human traits. Yeah. Like, it's a weird thing, but I always imagine like there's something ever since I was like little. I've always just imagined the most famous people in the world. Like also poop. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that's one thing that's always gotten me is like even the president, even the CEO of Verizon. (laughs) They still drop their drawers, man. They still sit on the toilet. And it's like. I don't know. There's an oddly humbling thing about that that is more real, right? Like even the Pope, even the Pope sometimes has to like run in the bathroom because he's got to go. It's hilarious and- that you're bringing this up because literally a couple of days ago, I was I was thinking about this movie that came out a while back, and it 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 was kind of an obscure movie, and I don't know if you're like if you were like if you're old enough to. I think I'm ten years older than you. I don't know, but I'm but anyway. I'm thirty two. Okay, I'm 40. I'm only eight years old. Okay, so so uh, there was a movie called Fear of a Black Hat, and it was it was like a parody, and it was an indie film, but it was like it was a parody on the the Public Enemy album Fear of a Black Planet, and so it was like they had like uh, the the group was called NWH, and so instead of with (laughs) attitude, it was with hats, and so that (laughs) (laughs) was this whole ridiculous thing. But anyway. They have the, the the band the group breaks up and one of the guys goes on to be like a, a PM Don type type new age uh rapper guy. Mm-hmm. And the first line of one of like his new single, he's like, he's like, when I do do, is my shit not brown? It's a universal thing. We all flush it down. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about it. it was ridiculous. And you, you know, you can cut that out if you want to, but, but no, I don't uh, give a sh- no, I don't give a fuck, dude. No, that 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 is beautiful. That is absolutely <laughs> because that is, but there is like, that is the common thread though. Because I think whole it was, first verse is about the universality of shitting. No, but it is real. I think Tim <laughs> Dillon said he was like, you know, he's like, and this is in the opposite sense, but in the same way, it's what we're talking about. Tim Dillon's like, there's something really bad about Twitter when you see your hero and you see them use the wrong your. you're like oh he's like i grew up i me and my friends were doing coke and going to see bruce springsteen and you get older and then you know and then finally like you see him on twitter and he uses the wrong your and you're like what the fuck is this shit right right and it's like the 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 facade falls you know a president doesn't do that because they have people that like check their tweets or whatever but like (laughs) you see someone you really love and they say something wrong were incorrect right i've done too many typos i have sympathy for any any time i see that i'm just like <laughs> but that's what I, but there is me. something deeply humanizing about that is yeah is that that's yeah i mean they would i read this book about air force one and it was like all these personal stories from air force one and yeah and just some of the stuff it would just be like going in and talking to Kennedy about like nuclear weapons as he was just like clipping his toenails. And you're like, Oh, that's still just a dude. Like it's on one, you have this duality where it's like, he's the most powerful man in the world. 
But then he's also like, oh, my fucking big toe, dude. That, that toenail is just way too long. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's like, what? And you're like, no, they're not these creatures made of gold and diamond who are different from you. Like, like even, even you know, even Lil Wayne goes in the mirror and it's like, oh, fuck, I got a zit. Like, and you're like, oh, that's, they also forget to plug in their phone. Like, oh. And there is something, yeah, there is something universal about taking a shit. <laughs> and there's also something about like um accomplishments um in in society and just how they've they've set it up to enable like in order to achieve certain things, you kind of have to engage in some I don't know, slimy behavior or, or I don't yeah. know like for me what's what's what what's impressive is not what someone's like accomplished because I don't know what all they had to do or you know what circumstances enabled that to happen but so that's why if I see someone famous I'm not like I, I really don't bonding over them yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but but if someone's like vibe is really good like perception of their subtle energy like what you were talking about earlier you see look in someone's eyes yeah. and they oh like that's what i really like okay i've i i and that that'll make me you know kind of be like oh this person is you know has like a vibrancy about them okay that is attractive to me and so i need to be careful because i mean <laughs> yeah know. no i i got you yeah because if someone succeeded, yeah, then there's always the question of like, well, what did they do? How are they compromised? What, yeah, what part of their soul did they sell off? You know, who did exactly. they, who are they, you know, what blackmail videotape of, is there of them on Epstein's Island or some shit, right? Versus yeah. you meet someone and it's like, oh, they're like, they're real. They're like, now I don't know. I've never, well, I guess I, I told you before, like I got to meet Alex Jones last year <laughs> and like, that was awesome because like the Alex Jones you see on like clips of YouTube with like Rogan, that's also him in real life. How are you doing? Are you a globalist? I'm just kidding with you. You're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. like, oh, it's really him. You're like, it's it funny. He went to Anderson High School and I went to McCallum High School and those are like rival high okay. schools. And he was like maybe 10 years ahead of me, but I knew people that went to school with him and yeah, and all that stuff. So yeah, very humanized person for me. And, and like my dad's friend, Back in the days, it was George Humphrey. He was used to be on city council here in Austin. He had a show on Austin Access either right before or right after Alex's show. So I just watched those two shows and just like, you know, take it all in. And I, I have some I have some thoughts about about Alex and I, I've one of Rudolph's I know we gotta go pretty soon, right? You got your I got another one at four. We still got like 20 minutes. I don't know. We we can go five, we get like fifty just give me five minutes beforehand. Yeah, no, we can run right up to the time. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. But but um, I feel like so I heard this teaching from Rudolf Steiner and it just blew my mind. But he basically said like if if you believe like you believe in something, right? Like you you want to advocate for something. You the way that you do it is all, like just as important as the belief itself. Like like if if it's like a noble aspiration mm -hmm. and you present it in it in a like overly emphatic way that it changes it and it opens it up to the opposite force okay. coming in. But if you like 
you know, present things in a clear, sober, kind of nonchalant way. Yeah, it, it, it makes it harder to attack and disagree with. And so that's why I, you know, that's kind of like antithetical to, to AJ being canceled or whatever, yeah. but, but at the same time, he's, he still has a platform and, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's allowed to do that because the degree to which he freaking just, you know, goes for it is so over the top that it, that it almost feeds the opposition as well. Oh, and yeah. I know that like Rudolf Steiner gave a, a, a lecture series called secret brotherhoods where he says in the future there's secret brotherhoods like right now who are making like hundred year plans mm-hmm. that are going to be running shit in the future and they're going to do it based off of the hegelian dialectic mm-hmm. the problem reaction solution, solution thesis antithesis synthesis and they're going to control both sides so I like I just see that I'm like okay to what degree are the puppeteers like allowing this to happen because yeah to be like a false opposition or the illusion of a resistance yeah no I agree I I believe that 100% but it's also still fun to like you know it's also fun to play that that's like another thing is like even when you identify like duality and reality it doesn't make it any less real like discipline's important meditation's important I also loved getting shit faced and ordering pizza. Like that's mm-hmm. like you're here in this reality. Like that's yeah. also if working out's great, cold showers are great, meditation in the sauna is great. I also love playing Grand Theft Auto and listening to podcasts, just mindlessly driving over civilians in a city bus. Right. <laughs> so it's like there is like and that's one thing I've been saying more and more on the show is like not black pilling, because I don't think that's good. I think that's just a slow suicide. But like more and more I've gone from like we have to fight back against the evil, whatever the evil is. And more and more I've just I watch it like I don't care about sports. I think they're fascinating. You know, if I'm home over Christmas break, I'll watch football. You're watching just the best best athletes in the world doing insane feats. I don't really understand it. And I don't I don't I don't care. I don't cheer or like University of Georgia. I went to UGA. They just won their second championship in a row. Both years in a row, I didn't know they were in the championship until the game was playing. Like I I was like, oh, well, this is fascinating, you know, and I'll I'll watch it just for but in the same way I'll I watch that and sort of detached. But not not um what word am I looking for? Not in like a nasty way of like, oh, it's sports ball. It's just a bunch of overpit. No, not no. Just like watching it and just being like, wow, I can't run that fast. That's fascinating. Yeah. I find myself watching the machinations of intelligence agencies and financial hubs and CIA and Davos and the Chinese Communist Party and bioweapons. More and more, I just find myself watching it like this. It doesn't make light of those who are suffering but I'm just watching it as like this beautiful unfolding of law. And there's, as Ramdas said, like hippies create police and police create hippies. Like you cannot, you cannot have the riot police without the hippies and the hippies would have no one to push back against if you didn't have the riot police. And I just, yeah. yeah, more and more, I just watch it. Like I'd watch a football game that I don't care about. I'm like, I don't, I'm not invested wow it's fascinating <laughs> like yeah the, the the reason why i like 
sports now it's not because i'm like super into sports but I, but i like the sense of cultural normous normalcy oh, it's, around it's it great it's gladiators stuff. it's it's modern day gladiators yeah you see the stadiums rocking and people yeah. and you're like what drove these people to go out and stand in 10 below zero weather screaming shit face drunk and you're like i don't know but i kind of want to watch it <laughs> yeah that tribal identity yeah yeah that's yeah. it's a it's delicious aspect of of life the Ram Dass quote, he probably wasn't thinking of it in this context, but I think about it as like the hippies creating police in that as a lot of the hippie movement was like to not take responsibility and do the things that you need to do in a society. And then therefore the society degrades and the police have to come in and like stop oh, yeah. the degradation. Yeah. <laughs> and know? then the hippies view them as stormtroopers for the state and then the police are just like who the fuck are these kids on acid like yeah you know, they're they're 20 years removed from world war ii so it's a bunch of greatest generation iwo jima vets like who are these ungrateful shits and then you, you have these kids with hair down to their ass on acid they're like you just don't understand love and it <laughs> but it's just no neither side is right or wrong you just start to get a whole boat you, you just you, you again you and it, physical actual physical pain is something where it's like harder to be like okay well i can't just view that and say it's beautiful like it that sucks but yeah it is like the dance is important and i think i can maybe say that because i'm i have a full stomach of food i have running water i have shelter so i can maybe kind of be detached i have that luxury but it's also i don't know you know it's it's fun watching the left and the right go at each other. And then you also, you're like, it's not just this. It is the Hegelian dialectic. But even that's fascinating to watch. You're like, oh, you're watching the puppets of this upper class of esoteric controllers. And even that is, you're like, oh, we are watching like the tip of the spear of, of power and control. Uh, well, and it's that whole percept concept thing where it's like okay i see elon musk tweeting something and then i have to formulate an idea of what is he doing there what is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm like okay and, and and you know if you think about the whole controlled opposition thing and him potentially being an agent for that based on his background uh -huh. it's like it's like okay I, I i see it and even with like like Trump, there were some tweets that that he put out where he like even when he like invited his people to come, you know, raise hell in D.C. on Election Day. Like right when I saw that, I was like, um, this seems like oh, no. it's not going to end well. It seems like a setup. It seems like nothing. Good. Yeah. And so immediately I just had alarm bells of like, oh, man, this this is a an illusion <laughs> yeah yeah and it's and then you have to have those humbling moments where you wake up from your own illusion and like yeah. that's a shitty feeling because your ego gets in the way and goes no not us we weren't wrong everyone else is a sheep and you're like oh i fell for it too you're like oh i like i love elon musk but i watch it i'm like part of me is like he's releasing the twitter files and then part of me is like hold the wait a second Wait, exactly. Guy's the richest guy in the world. He's the he's the single most he's the single biggest sole contractor to the Department of Defense, the military arm of the world elite. And I'm like, who knows? Maybe he's actually 
fighting the good fight, but another part of me is like, I'll dip one toe in the water, but I'm keeping one toe on the land. And I'm like, yeah. let's just let's just watch this. Like, what is like okay, Trump's sticking it to him. Trump was also at Hillary Clinton's wedding, and I'm like, <laughs> Trump's fighting the bad guys. There's a picture of him with Epstein, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> like hold on. Yeah. Elon's blanketing the atmosphere with satellites. With satellites, like... and he wants to put a literal chip in your brain. But he's but he tweets memes. Yeah, the he's difference funny. between he's like me. No. Yeah, he he also likes cats, and it's like <laughs> the difference between him and Klaus Schwab is he's got like a better PR firm. He's he younger. Like... He got a full head of hair, and he he can meme, and he smokes pot on Rogan. Oh, he's like me. Yeah, but he wants to put a chip in my head. But he's Elon. Yeah. Klaus Schwab sweat says it, and you're like, "Fuck that, locked and loaded." Like, come get it. Elon says it. You're like, "Well, it's because he wants us to merge with AI." And I'm like, "How easily my own like steadfast morals are just malleable like Plato because somebody posted a meme I liked." Yeah. I yeah. Don't so on the like on the bigger picture scale of things, it, then this is one of the reasons why I like John and Douglas and Steiner and all that is because they say like there's this trajectory that's been spoken about at, that that is taking place and like you know it, it, like human consciousness is just descended into a physical body we're kind of on the the uptick where we're we're um like heavily immersed in material reality but we want to regain connection to the spiritual world of our own free will and there's going to be these hindrances that are you know that are at play during this process. And the biggest one is the mechanistic materialistic impulse that seeks to, to hold us down. And so I just try to, I, I, I appreciate having that cosmic framework mm. with which within which to formulate my concepts, because I'm like, okay, this is what's at play here. Like, it's not that Klaus Schwab is like this totally evil dude or Elon's, but this being is playing out, his agenda through these people mm. who are enmeshed in these systems that created these values within them that they're acting out, mm. you know, that they might think are their own, but it's bigger than, than any one person. And it's like, you're really participating in like a spiritual warfare kind of thing or spiritual redemption. It's like, uh, it's like cymatics. There's a great video. I think it's just called cymatics, uh, C Y M A T I C S. It's like 10 years old at this point. But it's this guy and he takes like like white sand and he puts it on these black plates and he has right. them connected like a subwoofer and he plays different frequencies. And the sand takes the shapes depending on... And as you change the frequency, it kind of turns like staticky and stuff. And then it sharpens into some... And they're crazy. I mean, some of them are just like a sphere, but some of them are like these wild double helix, you know, like just intense, you know, like Hindu temple ceiling kind of shapes and they're mm -hmm. wild and it's like oh the sand isn't doing that the sand is playing out a deeper frequency behind the scenes mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i look at it i'm like is this klaus and then on the other hand like is this is this barnwell or are we just seeing these like frequencies that are playing out and it man talk about getting rid of the ego you're like oh like the bad guy is actually not that bad and like the good guy is actually not that good they're just actually neither of them are anything they're just 
riding these waves. And then, well, I don't know. And then there's free will. So there is good and bad, but yeah. The free, but that's the cool thing about the free will aspect is, is that you can say, you know, yeah, like thy will be done type thing, like not mine. Cause I, I realized that, that I am subject to all these forces mm. that are, that are, you know, guiding my, my value system, like hunger, like status, like sexual desire, that kind of thing. Can I give myself over to this, this higher entity and become an agent for that will. And when you do that, you know, you become like a conscious participant in the struggle. You make yourself an agent for highest mm. or, you know, whatever your highest, whatever name you put on your highest ideal. And, and you allow yourself to be fortified by that so that, that you can, you know, do, do good. And you understand that I don't really know of my own personal accord what good is per se but i'm going to open up to being able to receive that mm. as my life unfolds from this higher entity and that's like really all i've concluded in 32 years of living and 15 years of meditating it's like i don't really know what's going on we're going to go to our graves never knowing who killed jfk and who's who and what's behind what and that's fine it's not fine but it is what it is so okay, move forward. And I'm like, but I think I can just do the right thing. Like you don't need any deep esoteric knowledge to just be like, I'm going to try to be better. And it's almost kind of beautiful how beneath all the layers of complexity and of materialism and science and power and Hegelian dialectic, there is like this undeniable core of like, yeah, I'm just going to be a nice person. I don't really know what's going on. I'm just going to be in a, you can be in a city you've never been in before and you're in the car. And you're like, I'm just going to obey the traffic laws and try not to cut anybody off. And like, that's not a bad, that's not like a bad um, compromise. Let's <laughs> just be like, I'm going to just try not to make it worse. Exactly. And like, that is a value. I think. I agree. I Let's agree. See. Ray, let's wrap this shit up. All right, my All man. Right, I just cut you off. You were gonna say something. Oh no, no, I was just, I was just gonna agree and just say that like yeah, just being able to maintain a sense of equanimity and and being able to be kind in the in the face of people who disagree with you is is so powerful, and uh, oftentimes we that gets taken away from us in the sub nature digital realm, and so you know just that social media is uh not the not the optimal place to you know to be all the time <laughs> take and, 20 uh, minutes a day and just sit in silence yeah. that's my thesis that's my conclusion that's my I'm, I'm gonna agree yeah, with you on that that's that, that's my final findings after this hour and a half of speaking if i could give any just sit for 20 minutes in silence and you'll figure it all out you don't need me and ray you'll you'll exactly you'll, you'll get that that is the beautiful thing about it is go sit in silence 20 minutes a day. You'll reach all these same conclusions anyway. You don't need it. You don't need us. But um, I got to get ready for the next one. So, Ray, let's wrap this one up. Um, all right, my brother. I'll text you this episode when it's up. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Thank you, Tommy. It's much love. With you, brother. Thank you so much.